Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am very excited to welcome my guest to the show. He is a comedian. He's a voice actor. He's a podcaster. He's looking for a home in, a, in the suburbs. Please put your hands together for Kyle Kinane. Sweet. Hello. I, like, that was a, I really dig that intro. <laughs> I like that catchy intro. We are. Have a visitor. I haven't even introduced Tony yet, my producer, and already my four-year-old has entered. Owen, why don't you come say hi very quickly, and then you need to go back in the house. This is the earliest it's ever happened. Come here. Say hi. I know. Okay. He's wearing a bathrobe, and he has a pacifier. This is Owen. Here. I'm going to lift you up for a second, even though my six-year-old would say you're encouraging him. Well, just okay. make them slate say first. Say hi, real. Oh, yeah. Can you say, I'm Owen, and uh, I'm, I don't know how tall, how many inches tall you are, but you live in Burbank. Okay. <laughs> Bye, honey. <laughs> I don't know if you're, oh. you're going to get the part. Oh, boy. As a, as a casting director, I look as a combative attitude. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he's got a strong point of view, you know. Maybe we should just take a quick break. <laughs> We'll take a quick break, and we'll be back in a minute. And we're back. I am a mom, <laughs> but I feel like the fact that I'm a mom is encroaching on my podcast more and more. And by that, I just mean like my children are making themselves known more and more. Yeah, like encroaching in the most literal way. That you- <laughs> I like that you clarified that you're mom, and it's not just loose children walking into <laughs> random doors in this neighborhood. Yes, no. That's, that's better than – Yeah. I don't know whose kid that is. I know. Although, isn't that like a very 70s TV thing? Like, oh, look, it's the neighbor who's just shown up here to have breakfast with us. Oh, no. Like 70s sitcoms, I feel like, did that a lot. 70s and 80s had yeah. like a drop by. But I was I was a drop by. We were all drop by kids. You were? Yeah. You grew up in Addison, uh, Illinois? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up in the suburbs, like kind of like, like you just go to your friend's house and some houses were like knock and some houses were just walking. Yeah. I remember after college, I moved back to Costa Mesa. I grew up in Orange County, mm-hmm. um, but I did live in New York for years. So don't think I'm just an Orange County person. <laughs> okay. And I was born in Oakland. So like, don't paint me with that brush. Anyway, some neighbors that we were friendly with came over and one of them said, and so we were all hanging out, like my roommates, me, them. And I think one of them was like, so are you guys like a drop by or a call first? You know, yeah, yeah. is that your vibe? And I'm like, I think call first. And I never felt more like I seemed like someone with a stick up my ass than that moment where I said, I prefer a call first. I think everybody, if they're being honest, would prefer. I don't want somebody just yeah. coming to my house. I know. But you're not supposed to be honest. Like, I think the whole thing, <laughs> look, as someone who's had a stick up my ass for many years, the whole thing is you're supposed to pretend you don't. Is that, well, isn't that the East Coast versus West Coast? Like, West Coast is oh, uh, maybe. Uh, kind but not nice. Or, oh, no, yes. Not nice but not kind. And East Coast is kind but not nice. 
Like right. somebody on the East Coast will do you do a favor for you, also telling you what a pain in the ass you are for needing a favor. Yes. Or somebody on the West Coast will promise you, oh, I would love to help you, and then never call you back. Yes, I think that that was like a meme or a thing going around, yeah, and they were saying that. But it hits. Yes, it, on like the it tracks. East Coast, if you say you're cold, someone will take off their sweater and give it to you. Yeah. Yeah, and on the yeah. West Coast, they just they just cut you off in traffic. And sleep with I, your husband. I've well, I didn't. I haven't encountered the second part of that, but I have had to uh, calibrate my expectations in a rental car here. Just leaving the airport yesterday, I'm like, oh, I'm honking everybody. I'm like, I'm gonna get shot. I'm here for, <laughs> I've been here for like twelve hours. I'm gonna get shot through my windshield. Cause like, oh, they do that here. Honk or shoot people. Shoot people. Yes. Oh, I've I have never been killed on the road. Are you a road rager? No. Oh, I no. Am, I'm bad. I'm actually. Hello, Tony. Hi. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Were you a drop by kid? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, that's not my style. What is yeah. your style? Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna let somebody know or okay. ask. You know, yeah. I'm not just gonna assume I can come over. Right. Yeah. Um. Okay. Back to the road rage. I yeah. think I am the person that other people have road rage to. Well, that's not true. I am a cautious driver. And if I have to make a scary left turn, I'll just be like, nope, I'm going to make a right turn because this is too much for me. So I don't have road rage. Um, I think people probably get angry at me sometimes. You have road fear. I have road fear. You, maybe you shouldn't be driving. <laughs> I try not to. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the rules of the road scare me, let alone the people not <laughs> behaving by the rules. Well, what kind of circumstances cause you to rage? All of them. Just okay. the fact that I've had to look it up and realize it's oh, it's because I take these things personally. Mm. But I was getting dangerous behavior here. Like how? I was like, I called it uh, putting heat on them. <laughs> like, oh no, is this where you like tail them? Yeah, or I oh, no. like I pulled out in front of a guy that was going through a red light. I knew he was going to blow the red light, so oh. I, like I turned my wheels out <laughs> to see if I could scare him, and I wound up just taking out the side of his car. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Nothing. I drove away. Okay. Fuck that guy. Wait, you he hit you or you hit him? <laughs> he hit me. He was going I knew he was about to I was making a left turn. Okay. And the lights yellow. And then the lights red to where oh, I would just get out of the intersection now, but this guy's still speeding up towards a You red can light. see that he's going to yeah. And that's where I shift into taking it personally mm -hmm. because I think I think in these situations cuz this is what I've read about like why road rage escalates to the point it's not just this guy thinking he could blow a red light. It's him looking in the car going, oh, that's Kyle Kinane. Fuck that guy. And then, <laughs> so that's, a, that's what I mean. But that's how I take it. I take yeah. it personally. So I turned the wheels of my car out in front to think it would like just get close to him. But I just took the side of his car out. <laughs> I was driving a Jeep, so I just drove away. But did it cause damage to your car? Yeah. Okay. But I was willing to pay that much for like that feeling. <laughs> yeah. It was worth it. But it, it, it felt good. I'm sorry, I'm stuck on this. He <laughs> damaged your car. He was in the wrong. Yeah. You didn't want to like get him to pay for it or anything or exchange, you know, insurance or all the things you're supposed to do when you get in an accident? No, I just, uh, no, because I fucked up his car too. You know you did. Yeah. Because okay. then when I was driving, I was picking up a pizza and then I was driving back and I saw him parked at a gas station on the phone. I don't think he could drive his car. Good. So I don't, this shouldn't be a celebratory thing. This shouldn't be. I mean, bad. How you, yeah, but I don't want to be this way. It's not a good thing. Like, oh, I'm just going to go out and like vigilante justice drive yeah. and cause accidents. <laughs> like, it's a bad thing to do. But in that instance, I did. Yeah. Do you think we've talked about it a few times on the show? Do you feel like everyone has gotten worse at driving post? I know we're not technically post COVID, but you know what I mean. Is it? 
I try. I was, I, I, is everything worse or is my tolerance lower? Mm. Right. That's what. what that's like, I, I, I look inward first. I'm like, wait a minute, because or like Portland drivers are exceptional in the. It's 55 miles an hour. I better do 50, like yeah. the other oh. way. So down here, it's full. Like, Grand like you hype auto. yourself up. Yeah, like it. Like you're about to play full, a full contact sport before <laughs> you drive somewhere. Yeah. And up there, I'm the maniac because I'm just like, oh, we're just gonna pause at a yellow. Oh, we're gonna stop and let everybody, everybody go ahead. There's like a Portlandia sketch. That's yeah, four way stop sign. It's not a sketch. It's just reality. That's how it is. <laughs> and I'm losing my mind because I'm like cutting people off, and I'm swam like a man. I think I might just be a bad driver. I think what <laughs> comes down to is like, I mean, here's I'm, the thing. I'm pretty. I have a pretty aggressive attitude because you said that. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't be driving, which, like I said, I don't love mm-hmm. driving, so I'm happy to let someone else drive. Yeah. My husband is – he's not not road ragey, but, like, there's no left turn that intimidates him. Yeah. If he has to inch out and wait – and, I mean, like, he'll cross, you know, many, many lanes. He He's just a very adventurous driver, let's say. Okay. He's been in way more accidents than I have. So uh-huh. my point being – but, you know, it's good to Can't be cautious. Can't make a left turn without breaking a few eggs. You know? That's what they say. That's what my grand my grandfather always said that. So wait, let's get back to this though. You looked it up to just to find out like what's going on psychologically. Yeah, yeah I was getting too carried away in a car mm-hmm. with just like just screaming at people and honking. And LA is not the city for that. If you yeah. if you have a problem with people driving aggressively, don't live here. Mm-hmm. You got to like really. I got to sit there. I got to take my deep breaths and be like, not everybody's. Listen, if it's a white Mercedes, which no, if I think I, no offense, <laughs> it's that's unusual. I assume, I assume for me that's the worst uh, driver on the face of the earth. Yeah, no offense to yourself. No, it's that's, fine. I'm not trying to like call out your your whip out there. It's okay. I, I tend to drive the other whip, and I always okay. call it a whip. I always, uh, yeah, my my. Uh, I always like yelling out. I always like asking them if the turn signals cost extra. <laughs> That's my favorite non-swearing way to be like, how how much extra does a turn signals cost? So what you found when you looked it up was that the reason people have- They're free. The turn signals come with those cars. They're just refusing to use them is what I found out. No, what you you found is that the reason people have these these feelings of road rage is because you are taking it personally. Yeah, somebody's saying that it's that you think they see that it's you, and so they can cut you off. Right. Like, oh, you'll you'll let me merge. You'll do this, and so this they see it's it as this, a pushover. It, yeah, it's a it pushover. It's a, it's it's an insecurity. It's you it's have this personal space. Yeah, like oh, this vehicle now everybody's got that extra. Arm. It's the anonymity of the internet, but yeah. it's like in your vehicle. Like, yes, well, I, I don't. It's not just little old me. It's this whole car I'm pushing around. Right. And I just it didn't. I it helps for a little while, but then there's some days I'm like. <laughs> just let it go. I, I got it, but I, it my it's like a power struggle. Like if you let it go, then the next person is going to like, oh, that guy lets everybody merge in front of him. So it's all psychological yeah. shit. It's is all. taking things personally something that you feel like you battle in? I mean, I think everyone does, but is oh, this yeah. go through other areas of your life? All of them. Ooh, yeah, do you tell. I take. I still read comments online. What? Like why? Why am I doing that? I don't know why. I don't know. I'm 46 years old and I'm reading comments under my videos. And I, I stopped arguing though. I stopped arguing with people in the comments. Really? That's, yeah. How, I, that's, I, feel, I feel like that's a big thing. That's a huge win. Yeah. How did you stop doing it? 
Because if it's late at night, I still will write back sometimes, and I'm like, "What am I doing? I'm just furthering it." If I, if, yeah, I would say stuff. I, I would say stuff like after a few drinks late at night. And the next day, I'm like, "Oh no, that's you don't do don't do this." After. Yeah. But I would wake up in the morning, and I'd start reading social media, whatever, and all of a sudden I'm in a bad mood. Yes. Not only do I, I don't have a day job or anything to get for, so now I've laid in bed thinking like, "Well, I'll go back to sleep after I scroll through these things real quick," and then it's two and a half hours later. Mm-hmm. I'm now I'm pissed off for the whole day. I didn't even leave the bed. And now I'm angry because I decided to engage with people that you don't, you know, it doesn't have to be said, but you're not going to win with people on the internet. Correct. It's the people like, well, if daddy hits me, it's just him recognizing that I'm here. Like that's the win-win for them. Yes. So what's like, it took me a long time to like back off. I still mm-hmm. read them, but now I just like, all right, that's. I find some positive ones to counteract the negative comments that make me feel okay. I mean, I know, I think I look at them because I want validation that I exist. And then I'm hoping, I don't even know what I'm hoping. It's all about the external validation. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible. I, I would like to be free of it. And I think like I'm more and more am, but is that a thing for you? Are you like looking for external validation? I Well, I mean, doing stand up that's, what it was but now i got 20 some years in stand-up and it's i feel validated i think i feel validated enough that there's i'm seeing the value in doing things that nobody knows about right like anything like this show (laughs) will somebody hear this somebody will hear this people like this show yes i'm joking they do i'm joking you have a whole studio don't worry we're in a studio yeah an impenetrable studio. Except, I mean, four-year-olds, four yeah. <laughs> just I should put a note on the door, like no one over five except for, and then, you know, Kyle, Tony, Daniel. I think I'm not going to do that. That's going to make it more tempting. I know. It's like the no he girls allowed read. on the clubhouse yeah. sign. Yeah. And he can't read, so. Did you ever have a club when you were a kid? Because I had a sticker club. A sticker club? Yeah. We got together. We brought our sticker albums. And we, at one point, like, tried to make a – my dream was to have a clubhouse, a treehouse. Yeah. That could be a clubhouse. So you had to climb, you know, you Ideal. know, the yeah, treehouse no, dream. And also, Swiss Family Robinson was, like, a movie I loved when I was a little kid. I don't remember anything about it now, except I think I had a crush on one of the Robinson's brothers, Robinson brothers. But um, I really wanted to have a clubhouse. So yeah. we got a big cardboard box and like tried to tape it together and make a clubhouse. And I think we did put a sign on it, like only, you know, people in the sticker club. Yeah. We met once. That was it. <laughs> St- sticker club didn't have lasting <laughs> didn't power. Didn't have legs, no. What consisted of the meeting of the sticker club? Did you trade stickers? Yes. I believe we did. You're but- making me realize I did have one of those uh, sticker books with the non-stick pages. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the problem is if you take the sticker, oh, you mean like those magnetic pages that ruin your photos ultimately? Yeah, but it was like a glossy page thing. So it was supposed to be quote unquote nonstick, but you were trash and you were thrashing stickers. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Eventually, I just began keeping my stickers on their backing in like a little box. Do you you still have a lot of stickers? I have a ton of stickers right now. You do? Yeah. And I don't know. I think that there are probably some stickers of mine at my parents' house. I don't have them on me, <laughs> but not in my pocket right now. <laughs> the best stickers were Dress-A-Bear. Did you ever have Dress-A-Bear? Did you ever have Dress-A-Bear stickers? I mean, I think the, the sticker game was pretty gender divided back in the day. What, what did you have? Dinosaurs? Dress-A-Dinosaur? 
Yeah, it was like like cars and okay. robots and shit. And then, but then there would be like the scratch and sniff. Oh yeah, food ones, which always just smelled like bo before it gets offensive. But it's always just kind of smells like ground beef. <laughs> you know, I kind of like bo before it gets offensive. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, these are all like this good. is a burger. I'm like, it smells like a burger. It's yeah. a pizza. It smells like a pizza. Right. It's like no, it's just pits before it goes yeah. south. Exactly. Yeah. So dress a bear, you could probably figure it out from the name. Mm -hmm. It was a large bear sticker, and then you could like put different clothing items sure. on it. My kids have stuff like that, like almost like we had, I had color forms. I don't know if you remember oh, those. Are those the ones you put in the oven? No, those are shrinky dinks. Oh, it's color forms. Color forms are like little um, plastic latex stickers almost, but you can put them down and lift them up. Oh, they don't okay. have actually they don't have adhesive they just like cling no i got it. yeah 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 tony stickers you're being awfully quiet yeah i had <laughs> I, I also had a uh i actually found one of my sticker old sticker books one of the last times i was at my parents and same there was a taco scratch and snip you yep. can still smell it and it still smells terrible it's mm. the, yeah it was yeah. the same smell as every yep. scratch and snip. but then they're like this is a shoe and you're like that's the taco one too <laughs> yeah. putting the same smell on these things <laughs> You know what I find to be extra disgusting are scratch and sniff books that have things in them that are supposed to smell gross and actually do. Like there's this Sesame Street, I forget, Morning on Sesame Street or something. No, part, it doesn't matter. There's a Sesame Street book, yeah, scratch and sniff. And Oscar the Grouch, I think, finds there's like fish and blue cheese yeah. and garbage. And I don't, <laughs> I don't need to smell gross stickers. And also there was... Uh, Harry Potter jelly belly. Yeah, I was just you, the, you were making me think had of like that. a booger or jelly belly, and yeah, there, it's like I think there's even like a vomit maybe. one or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah jelly belly's yeah. always been wilding though. Jelly belly's always had a little bit of like, uh, yeah, we're gonna make some uh, some flavor, some unsavory ones. That's why I like jelly belly early on because they had their like, I mean, that's not what they called it, it was like the Russian roulette packaging. Yes, it was like all, that's like, what I'm talking about. Where tropical punch, coconut, and then just like farts or <laughs> yeah, WD forty or something. Like, <laughs> right. I like that you. I like that as a company. You're like, we're gonna make you sick. I kind of dig that. Were I, you a garbage pail kids guy? I was definitely a garbage pail oh, yeah, kid. Vile, vile Kyle. <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah. Were garbage pail kids? They were just like baseball cards, right? They were stickers too, though. Oh, they were stickers. Yeah. yeah. All right. But nobody ever devalued them as stickers. <laughs> you kept them as cards. Got it. Got it. So you grew up in Addison, Illinois. Yeah. You were a drop-in kid. You yeah. had garbage pail kids. What else? What did your parents do? My parents, my mom was stay-at-home mom, and my dad always worked for the airlines because we mm -hmm. live right by O'Hare. So he was mechanic by trade and still still works. He does something with the airlines. I can't even tell what he does. He travels a lot, and he's like, ah, it's appraisal, and he's got like a business card with a title that doesn't make sense to me. But he still does it. He's still out there living. Nice. Mom's still out there living. Do you have siblings? Yeah, I got a sister. She lives here, actually. Oh, right. You yeah. mentioned before. You stay with her when yeah, you come I'm here. Yeah, I'm at her place. Yes. Older, so, younger? Yeah. Younger, but by like two years. We're close. Mm -hmm. we, had a, we didn't have a clubhouse, but we did have a- we had a modest house, but then the house next to us was like the nicest house in all the land. Oh. It was like a like a small. It was like a small business owner, like the guy they owned. A, I don't know, like a aluminum siding company, and that's this was their house, right? And they had these big like boulders that they used to landscape, and there was some kind of towards the side of their property that made a, a like a tiny cave. So we didn't have a clubhouse. We had a cave that we just crawled in the dirt to sit in. <laughs> so 
know, it was much more uh, rudimentary than like a ladder with an actual flat yeah. surface meant for – this was just boulders and a lean-to fence and we just sat in the – I think mostly raccoons gave birth in there. But it was also our clubhouse. The That's the problem. It's same situation with our cardboard clubhouse. Yeah. Like, or I had friends. My, my dream was always that our, our, our parents would turn our attic into like some cool place for the kids to hang out. Yeah. Instead, it was just it wasn't. It didn't even have a floor. It just had like beams. It seemed very dangerous. Yeah. Um. But any of these little secret spots. Once you get in them, same it's the same way I feel about a bathtub. Once you once you get in it, you're like, now what? I'm not comfortable. Yeah, you're not hiding out. It, when you're a kid, it's kind of valuable to have like a secret, yeah, secret place. And uh, I remember my sister and I somehow managed to punch a hole between our, our rooms were next to each other, and we punched a hole through the wall. Oh, nice! Just to pass notes, like we could we could just talk <laughs> to each other through the wall. But it felt neat to like pass. A note to do secret things yeah. as, you know, as kids, because I think you need that because, you know, your parents are dictating everything you do all the time. It's fun to have those little uh, secret areas. Yeah. I'm sure your little ones will start developing hidden places and things to hide out. We were always getting on roofs. Oh, we were like any any abandoned buildings we were sneaking. I still have an urge to anytime I see an abandoned building, go like sneak around in it. Yeah. So who punched the hole in the wall? How thin were these walls? How I wasn't like oh, it wasn't like a fit, like a fist punch. It was like oh, there was oh. a, like a hole in like a closet organizer that we were just like tapped a pencil through. Okay, so it felt even more like clandestine. A, a bank, yeah, bank heist. Where yeah, like, all right. If I tap it through, and we could use a pen, and we could wrap the messages and stuff them in the pen, because then that won't get lost in the wall. I love and it. The messages were just like your butt smells. Like, <laughs> all right, let's wait another twenty minutes to craft a retort. But yeah, like you couldn't hear kids pushing things through the wall in a tiny house in the middle of the night. You should have asked your parents <laughs> if they knew. I've, I'm sure they did. That's they, really they just kind of ignored yeah. a lot of stuff. That's really sweet, though. It sounds like you and your sister were, did you were you guys yeah. ever. Uh, at each other's throats? No, not not more like an argument here or there, but we're like we shared the same social so, social circle. Social circle. <laughs> cool. It's only a, a talking press tour I'm doing here. <laughs> only, what I do for a living is use words. Uh, yeah, we shared the same groups of friends, so that overlapped. Mm -hmm. And then we always like speak in a converting place. My parents let when I was in a band in like late high school and everything, we practiced in the basement and then it just turned into a party because my mom was friends with all my friends and somebody would come over and like, they'd drink and they'd, you know, smoke, smoke pot on the porch. So you had the cool out. family house. I guess. Well, let's just roll back the tape for a moment. Um, I don't normally make that sound. I've literally never done that. I know it, we, seemed, <laughs> it seemed like something I do often. I thought it was a natural segment of the show. It should be going forward. It should forward. be. It should be. Uh, you just said that your mom was friends with all your friends, yeah. and then they would just come over and like smoke pot and drink. So to me, that means you- She didn't condone that part. The pot was okay. kept under wraps. She knew what was going on, but it was like kind of like, don't ask, don't tell. But explain the part where she's friends with all your friends. She was always hanging out. She was happy to see a social, you know, she's an extrovert, and she like got charged up from seeing all these people and finding out about them, and then- it was weird, too, because it was at the same time uh, Nintendo 64 GoldenEye was real popular for the for the Nintendo 64. And so, like, somebody had brought it over once, and it was a four-player game, and my mm -hmm. mom started playing it. And all of a sudden, that Christmas, she's like, I got you guys a Nintendo 64. But <laughs> neither of us were asking for this. Like, oh, well, I guess. Right. Well, just And then 
she wound up getting really good at it and then beating my friends at the game because they'd stay upstairs <laughs> playing Goldeneye. We'd right. practice downstairs. This is similar to when my dad got me a backgammon set. Backgammon. The only difference being <laughs> no child is excited about a backgammon set and there are kids who would be excited about a Nintendo 64. It just was not still, you. Yeah, it was, still, it was still a good gift, but it was like, you could have just gotten this for yourself. Like, I yes. don't know why you went through this excuse. Yeah, you're just a grown adult that's enjoying this thing. You should do that. Yeah. Also, I wouldn't know how to play backgammon if my life depended on it right now. I've never... My dad could teach you. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think if even for a moment I knew how to play. Did I you express any interest? No. In no. What I remember... It had like felt or velvet, probably felt like a felt board. You know what the board looks like, right? Or no? Yeah, let's get the the little cones, yeah, cones, yeah, or spikes or cones whatever and buttons, yeah. And then it's got the like smooth circle disc pieces of two different yeah. colors. But the thing I remember most is that it has those cups that you shake the dice in. Oh, okay, it's got. Yeah. I didn't even know it had dice. Yeah, it has dice, <laughs> and it has these noticed. like felt lined, uh, like oval shaped cup things oh, and yeah. you put the dice in and then you shake them like that and then you toss that's them like satisfying. that. That's satisfying. Yes. Yeah. I can that see was that. the best part. Yeah. I can see that being satisfying. There was a moment where I played chess. I don't know if every fifth grade, was it fifth, sixth, some, some year in school, our math teacher taught us chess. Yeah. So we, everyone got into chess for a little while and like on and off I have played it. Okay. And I, for some reason, I think, no, it's actually not similar to, to backgammon. Chess, I, I never had the patience for – I couldn't sit still for that long. I couldn't sit still long enough for video games. Yeah. I couldn't sit still, nor was I, think, smart enough for chess. I think I remember I had friends that tried to like – like in the early 20s, like – Get you well, into Let's it. stop being fuck-ups and also show the world that we're smart. They were trying to play chess, and I watched one friend who was taking it very seriously and another friend who was just kind of out of his mind, and we're all high, and he's mm. – pretending to swim through the living room while also playing chess with my friend who's <laughs> taking the game very seriously. And then the swimming friend who also has a stutter and is just a goofball. So she just goes, checkmate. And then he won. And my buddy was so furious because he's like one of these like lean on the table and analyze the board guys. Right? Was he high also? I think so, but really didn't want to let on that he was. Yeah. I mean, we all were. I can't imagine being the only sober person playing chess with a room full of stoners. Right. I can't see. What's that friend doing now? Uh, one of them lives in Texas and the other one lives in Australia. Okay. One of them is like a security, like an online security for banks. And the other one, I think he had a, there was rumors he had a shrimp import export business in Australia. Is the one but who does online know. security the chess friend and the shrimp one the swimming friend? Yeah, you could see that, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I figured without clarifying, we could pick out. <laughs> I think I can decipher this. Yes. Last night, my son, the one whom we all met earlier, mm -hmm. uh, wanted to watch videos of shrimp swimming. So okay. we were looking at shrimp videos and there was one and it was like 10 facts you don't know about shrimp. And it kept toggling between showing like a cooked shrimp on a fork with a little like pepper underneath and yeah. then showing sh shrimp swimming in the sea and talking about them as animals and going, it was like, it was very um, incongruous yeah. and kind of 
I'm going to go so far as to say revolting. I don't know why. For I was just like, I'm never going to eat shrimp ever again after watching all this. And I don't think it was designed for that purpose. But I just feel like choose a lane. Either we're talking, either it's a cooking video or it's a marine life video. Don't go back and forth. It's fine because I'm I'm pretty much vegetarian because of that kind of stuff. But shrimp, I, I'll watch you go from back and forth. Really? <laughs> I'll eat a shrimp. I can't look at a shrimp and think, oh, this thing's got complex emotions. <laughs> have you seen videos of them swimming around? I mean, they have huge eyes. Yeah, huge get, eyes. Get them off of there. They have a thousand. <laughs> a thou- they have just, you know, the reason I can't eat them anymore is because they have too many legs. Well, that's why you got to get them when they've been uh, delegged. Delegged and deveined. Do you ever go to the place where you order shrimp and you think you're going to get shrimp, like food shrimp, and then they just give you the whole guy? Like the yes, fully dressed fella. I have had this experience. <laughs> and at that point, I say, I can't. I cannot. Uh, and then also one time when I was a kid, we drove across the country. I just talked about this on my podcast with the aforementioned Greg Fitzsimmons, aforementioned uh. off mic, so I didn't need to put it that way. But anyway, um, my family, we took seven weeks to drive across the country. Oh, yeah. It was... Yeah. Very unpleasant in many ways. There were there were some <laughs> there were some upsides too, but it was I mean it was just too long. What, what year is this? What year are we doing this? <sighs> okay, so I think it was eighty seven. Okay, eighty seven or eighty eight. We in a big family truckster, a van. What are we we were in uh, an Acura Legend. So no, fancy. a sedan. Okay, yeah. but a but a fancy sedan. Kind of a fancy sedan. You, had, that, your, you had your own air conditioning control, didn't you? You know, I'm trying to remember. You if probably there was, had some luxuries. There was an air conditioning thing down there. I don't know that it is. Do you think of an, and I, I feel like an Acura is not like, it's not, it's no Lexus, but it's, it's between Toyota and Lexus, right? I thought Acura and Lexus were like neck and neck. Maybe they are. Yeah. I don't know. Look, I'm just one of you. <laughs> I'm not trying to, uh, I well, come from I'm humble tr- beginnings. I'm not trying don't to well shame, shame your road trip. <laughs> You're really shaming. Yeah. If you were rich enough, you would have flown. So yes. I know that. Thank you. It must have been tough driving in an, Acura legend. Acura legend. <laughs> I just <laughs> that sat. Smooth, smooth ride, really. Yeah. Lulling you to sleep. I just sat in the back reading Sweet Valley High books. My mom would be like, look, a bro- she knew all the. My mom mm-hmm. is not a farm person at all, but yeah. I don't- somehow on this trip, she learned a lot about cows. So she was like <laughs> pointing out every different kind of cow. <laughs> but anyway, we went to Lake George and I ordered crawfish. And it's oh, the worst. It's- okay. So everyone here has been traumatized by crawfish. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, traumatized is strong. But yeah, it's way too much work for such a tiny uh, amount of yeah, meat. Yeah, it's like pistachios of the bayou. Yeah. I, <laughs> God, no. that, my thing wasn't the elbow grease involved in eating it. It was like, there's a lot of little animals in front of me that look like animals, so I can't do this. They were just too cute to eat. I, I lost really? my appetite, I thought. Why, you find, you find them the, easy the to eat? The mud bugs <laughs> were too cute to eat? <laughs> I guess, yeah. I just didn't want to put the work in. Okay. Like, it was just so much. There's they have so, much, like, there's so many little heads. Yeah. There's like, like 16 eyes staring at you. Yeah. Well, it's it's like I, I tried to eat sunflower seeds as an oh, adult. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is a lot of work. <laughs> this, is, this is not th- – I may as well just start crocheting. That's mm. what eating sunflower seeds yeah. is like. It's like, here's small <laughs> progress. Here's a little bit of progress. Mm-hmm. How long have I been doing this? Two hours? Yeah. What do I have to show for it? <laughs> a tiny pile of shells. That's yeah. all. Yeah. It that really cr- makes you feel for birds. Birds got little beaks, though. They're built for That's true. That's their whole vibe. They got nothing else to do that day. Yeah. Sunflower seeds, you can't eat those and have a busy schedule. No. Um, 
I mean, mu- but mud bugs, yeah. I'm like all oh, that work, and then one little bite, and like, well, you got to suck the brains out of them. Like, I don't want to <laughs> do that. I just like I don't. I don't think I'm a prude with food. Like I, I don't eat meat anymore. Mm-hmm. But that I'm like I can't do that. How about I'm when people tell that. you that the best part of the lobster is that gelatinous grain shit, which I think is either like reproductive organs or and green I stuff. Do, I'll let them have it. Yeah. Then you more you like, green slime for you. Yeah, you like it so much. I went one of my first dates with my girlfriend. We went to one of those like shrimp boil kind of like they're always in Koreatown, but they're always like the Cajun type of boil with mm-hmm. like a sausage and a corn, and they just dump it on the table. Yeah, and on wearing, the newspapers. Yeah, you're wearing a trash bag, and she was like just mowing through like and i'm like struggling with these shrimp and she's like you gotta take off their little jackets I'm like what <laughs> and you gotta face them towards you so the oh shrimp's arm is like this and you gotta grab their legs and open it up like you're taking off their jacket and that's how she, i'm like oh that's the technique because you gotta take off their little jackets <laughs> and it made it sound so polite it be- is yeah before eating them yeah we hung up their coat how did you guys meet <laughs> we met she worked at Comedy Central, and so we met initially in in Montreal at the Just for Laughs Festival. Mm-hmm. And then I remember there's a moment I was like, "Oh, good thing I didn't hit on her because I'm gonna have to go to Comedy Central for meetings." <laughs> I was at Comedy Central, and there's a meeting. I'm like, "Oh, thank God I didn't like do that." And then we just wound up. It wound up just happening, mm-hmm. regardless. And now you're the voice of Comedy Central, yes? I used to be. You're not anymore. No, no, no. That one went. Oh. That one was gone about four years ago. Whenever I – I still think it's you. It's David Borey. It's my friend David Borey. Okay. And so it sounds grovelly enthusiasm yeah. for South Park reruns. Yeah, it's still the same uh, – Vibe? Same tone, yeah. Dare I ask what happened? Nothing. I had it for 10 years. I got it in a very soft fashion of like, hey, come in. Do you want to read these things? couple things like yeah sure all right like like my attitude towards auditions like there's a real person for this job <laughs> like this this you want this to do voiceover hilarious joke guys <laughs> all right yeah watch the daily show 10 o'clock whatever hey you want to come back in next week and do it okay all right yeah sure i'll do it again you guys want this prank to go on <laughs> and then it just started going like and then i'm like wait a minute well who's doing this before what well, was a pen gillette oh, i didn't Penn, know it was Penn him teller, yeah did you know it was him I forgot about that. I do remember that though. We're yeah. talking about the what was of, it? The promos, pe- right? Or the yeah, interstitials? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the all the voiceover for their promos, and yeah. for the shows. And I was like, well, I think he's doing all right. I'm not going to worry too much about <laughs> taking work from Pendulette. But then I did it for about ten years, and uh, yeah, all of a sudden, some other comics were like, "Hey, man, you still doing the Comedy Central stuff?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm still doing it." They're like, "All right," because I went in there and read for. Some of the things. Like, oh, yeah, I kind of auditioned for it. So I thought maybe you quit. I'm like, no, I didn't. And they didn't tell me anything. Yeah. So how did that How did that feel? It felt like how show business is shitty. Yeah. It felt like, but this is how I got the job. This is how right. I'm going to lose a job for 10 years. I mean, I felt, I, I think I'd feel less guilty if I robbed a bank for what they pay for the, right. the amount of effort for voiceover stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky I had it for those 10 years. Yeah. And yeah, I got I was getting shuffled out the same way I got shuffled in. So that was a little bit I didn't need a gold watch or anything, but how about a hey, don't don't count on this money this year. Right. Like that's that's the I don't I don't do showbiz stuff anymore. I just do stand up. So yeah. Pretty I like yeah, I'm not that that kind of deal like that kind of just oh yeah, just you're out. 
the shade. I'm glad it went to my friend who's doing it. Like, oh, yeah, David's a great dude. I'm mm-hmm. glad he got the job. But just, oh, you weren't going to tell me. You are just going to stop calling. Like, you were you're going to ghost me. Like, right. A 10-year career, and that's your method of handling things is ghosting someone you have a 10-year relationship oh. with. Why do they do it that way, do you think? Oh, I think maybe there's – not much of a soul to this industry. <laughs> I think maybe there's a little bit. Huh. <laughs> I think it could be something like that. I just, I don't think it occurred to them. You know, I, I was still friend like the, the studio. I would go to DG Studios right down here on, on uh, Cahuenga. And all the people I work with there were great. I love, I could have done it from home. I liked going in. I liked seeing those. those that was my day job. I would go in and mm-hmm. get a cup of coffee. How I'd, often did you go in? Like two or three times a week. Okay. And then so. I had a mobile kit. Mm-hmm. But so those are my friends. I still, I was in Hawaii last year and one of the engineers has a condo out there and I got to see them and, and, the, and even the people I never met in person, but I would talk to them on the phone every week for 10 mm-hmm. years. Like those are my pals. I like talking yeah. to them. So it was still a good job for when it lasted. Um, yeah. So your girlfriend does not, or does she still work for Comedy Central? No, no, no. She's, we're both up in Oregon. She's. Writing and directing stuff on her own. And she was like, all right, well, got all my writing, my scripts put together. So it's time to look for a place back in L.A. And then the writer's strike. She's like, all right, maybe I'll just work in the yard <laughs> up here and we'll see what uh, happens. So she's doing that. She's like, you know, she worked on the executive side of things for so long. She's like, if I don't do the creative part that I've been wanting to do yeah. now, when am I going to do it? So she's going for that. Because I was going to say, if she worked there – when this went down, then you'd have to be like, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. And well, it's also, that has nothing to do, that's the advertising part. You know, that's advertising. They have nothing that's to do with true. programming. They yeah. don't have anything to do with this. That department right. has nothing to do with this. And that's why you like, you develop yeah. a show with somebody and they like it, but then you tune, you, they give you all these notes on a script. This is like, I, I mean, we don't have to bitch about show business, but. You can a little bit if you want. But it's like, oh, like I wrote, sold one show and they're like, oh, this is great. Here's some notes. All right, let me adjust those notes. All right, well, the, peop- the person that gave you the notes is on maternity leave, so this person's taking yeah. over. And they're like, well, we don't like what you did with this. Change it this way. Okay, well, I'll change it for that guy. All right, this lady's back from maternity leave. Well, why didn't you take any of my notes? We're not going to buy this project. I'm like, this is madness. Like, who? Yeah. who's okay with living like this? <laughs> like, Especially since all I want to do is stand up in the first place mm-hmm. that I was like, I got kind of washed my hands of that whole process. What's interesting though, is it seems like you don't take the showbiz stuff. It, is it accurate to say you don't take the showbiz stuff personally? No, it's just that kind of like, like if I have a bad show stand up wise, I take it very personally. Mm-hmm. I don't trust anybody who's a stand up who doesn't acknowledge a bad show and also feel bad that they had a bad show. Mm-hmm. A stand up that's like, whatever, poof. Oh, you're a sociopath. I don't want anything <laughs> around you. But the business stuff is just you move to LA to be a stand up and then all these other people come in, you're like, What about TV? What about this? And mm-hmm. so you start doing that stuff and it clobbers you and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't even want this in the first place. Now I'm depressed because I didn't get a thing that yeah. I didn't want in the first place. But I had everybody else around me telling me I'm supposed to want it. Like, what? I'm just going to tell jokes. I'm just going to do stand up and then that's it. And that's why the last, even before pandemic, the last couple of years in LA were great. Like, cause I was saying, you want to go to Santa Monica for an audition? Nope. I'm going to go bike ride in, in the mountains there. And then I'm going to do jokes at night. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. So when did you get into stand up? 
1999 is when I started. That's uh, such a long time. <laughs> so oh. 24 years ago. It was a stand-up comedian who <laughs> explained email to me. <laughs> That's how I figured out about email. Oh, wow. Who <laughs> was? Is it? He's like, you got a book. Know? He's like, you need an email address to book things. Like, what the hell? Oh, they're going to mail me stuff. I was like, no, it's email, man. <laughs> and I was at his apartment. He set up my, uh, it's a Yahoo address I still use today. So that's hilarious. Yeah. It was it a is it a comedian we would know? No, he's dead. <laughs> well, I know some people who are dead. Well, yeah, well, twenty four years ago, a lot of people <laughs> died that time. No, he was a. Uh, no, he's just a Chicago dude, and he. It was funny. We were supposed. We were about to move to L.A. together, and I remember he was. He's like, I think his wife was finally going to give him a divorce, because she was very religious, and mm. he was not at all. We were like partying together yeah and i was just like why'd you marry her it's like she bailed me out of jail <laughs> like all right well i think there's more to the story yeah but that's a pretty cool merle haggard way to explain why you married <laughs> this woman and then it was literally from one week where he's like i think she's gonna give me a divorce so let's start thinking about where we're gonna live in la i'm like all right and then i picked him up for a show the next week he's like i'm gonna be a dad i was like oh wow what, what are you doing <laughs> i mean no if i'm this he wound up having a great life and like it was you know he with not, this he, woman was, yeah he stayed married to her had kids m- moved out of the city and i think the last i saw him he was just real happy and just a mellow dude he had just had health complications which is what took him yeah but from the party days of early stand-up and 4 a.m nights and bars and I think he, I think he found something towards the end there. So that's that's a good story. I guess. Good, yeah. Although I went to she know he was going to move to L. He was looking to divorce her and move to L. A. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> apparently, he was telling a lot of people a lot of things at that time. Yeah, but uh, but he, he knew he, email. He knew he did. He did <laughs> give me an email address. It's still up and running today. So if anybody knows my Yahoo address, thank <laughs> old Matt Andrews for that. Uh, was this after you went to college? Oh, college. <laughs> well, I went for about eight years, so it was a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. I, think what, I, I went to college from '95 to 2002, so seven years. Um, they literally made me graduate <laughs> because I was just taking. It was the liberal arts school. I had gone to a community college mm-hmm. for a year, and I was like, "Well, this is great." I mean, if community college is this great, I can't wait to go to that state school, which I dropped out in less than a semester from, and then just worked a bunch of odd jobs and started going part-time to um, Columbia College in Chicago. And it was just liberal arts, so I was just taking a little bit of everything. I had no curriculum. I was doing some creative writing stuff, but I never really wrote it. I would like write it the night before. I didn't care about it. And I started doing some theater stuff and some improv stuff and some poetry stuff. Eventually, I was just taking enough classes of things I was interested in. They're like, you're going to graduate this year. I'm like, that's the worst news I could hear. I was like, like, yeah, once you're out of college, it's all the movies have covered that. Like, once you're out of college, like, that's it. You're an adult. You're just pushed into, like, go be part of the real world. So I basically, I graduated in 2002 and then just worked and saved up money and moved to moved to L.A. in 2003. And and had, but you were already doing stand. I was doing stand. Oh yeah, ninety nine. Yeah, okay. it was, uh, it's weirdly enough, it was another guy that I know that is still still going strong in Chicago. That I did some weird comedy contest. I read it. I was working at a gas station. Read a newspaper. Like, oh, here's an open casting call for stand up. I'm like, 
I didn't even know where to start stand-up comedy at that time. I knew I liked watching it on TV, but I didn't know where you went to do it. So I'm like, all right, I'll go answer this casting call. And I went. It was, you know, before last comic standing, but it was for the HBO Comedy Festival in mm. Aspen. So like, oh, here's regional. People were driving down from Minnesota and all this stuff. I'm like, all right, I'll sit in the middle of the day. And I got like, I think I got like $400 in parking tickets because I didn't think. I'm like, I fed the meter once. I wasn't paying attention. From the suburbs, I got so many parking tickets. <laughs> and then I saw this guy perform there. He was one of my, I thought like, all right, I tried stand up. That's it. I got it out of my system. And then I was going to class and I saw one of the guys that I'd seen there. He was, I'm like, oh, you did stand up in this contest or what have you. He's like, oh yeah, there's stand up everywhere. He's like, it's at bars. It's in the back room. I'm like, oh, where do you find these lists? So he showed me Johnny, but shout out to Johnny Berger. If you're ever in uh, Franklin Park, go to Jake's Pizza. He runs it's good pizza. But, uh. He's the one who showed me where all these open mics were. So, yeah, all these, all these elder statesmen got me yeah. on, got me going in the scene. That's nice. Are you an elder statesman to, to some up and comers? Now? I, well, I guess that would re- depend on what they think of me. I try to, I don't know. I feel like I don't have much advice because, like, I don't know. The shit that worked for me shouldn't have worked. Mm. So, I'm not going to, you know what you got to do? You should probably stay drunk <laughs> for the first 10 or so years. <laughs> Sure, it'll get in the way of some opportunities, but you'll make some friends, <laughs> and you'll run up your bar tabs across town. Like I, that's why I think uh, I'm hesitant to give advice mm-hmm. on some of that stuff. So, do you feel like maybe I'm I'm elder? That's I don't know about <laughs> statesman, but I'm elder. Yeah. Do you feel like you were lucky? Do you feel like you're? Well, now I'm asking you to say something that. I imagine you're going to feel as too grandiose. But what I'm wondering is, do you feel like it was luck? Do you feel like your talent is such that despite these sort of potentially self-destructive mm-hmm. things, like you still had success? What do you make of the fact that you did all these things that you would tell someone not to do and you still had success? I think it was streamlined persistence, maybe. Mm. Like I was, I was going to do comedy anyway. Whether it's good or bad, I was going to do it. But I also, um, you know, never married, no kids, no large financial obligations. Mm -hmm. So I was, I like it or not, my life is streamlined to be able to just do this. And so for the longest time, I was like, well, if I'm, if I'm fucking up my life, I'm only fucking up my life. I'm not telling a wife to like, well, stay, I got to go to the bar again. Because uh, it's where stand-up is. I got to mm. go network. Like, I'm not telling anybody that. Right. Uh, and so I didn't have these other – I don't want – distractions is the wrong term. But, like, obligations, responsibilities, anything. I didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, that's not advice, though. I just did that. That's how I was going to live anyway. I didn't have a design. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you guys had, like, plans when you're young. Like, I'm going to do this by this age and this by this age. Like, I had absolutely none of that. <laughs> I still don't have it. You know, the only time I ever had that was when people would say to me, what's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year mm-hmm. plan? And it almost was painful to think in that way. I would always just try to dodge the question by saying, like, oh, I just want to be happy. Yeah. Even though I was ambitious and I had all these things I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to attach a – Dead. I had. I didn't want a deadline on it. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what 
the, one of the things I do like about LA is like, instead of looking at like, oh, somebody might be 50 years old and they're a server in a restaurant. Now you could look at that as being like, buddy, get, you know, let's get real about mm-hmm. life. Or you could be like, you didn't just fall for it right away. You're 23. Well, I better have two kids and the job and then right. think about what I could do when I retire. You gambled on the first part of your life by being out here and like, you know what? You still might get that thing tomorrow. You still might get that job here, that job there. So I kind of like that. I don't think it's delusional. I think it's just you didn't want to go. I had friends I grew up with that were like, well, no, you get married after college and you have kids. And then you plan for your retirement. Yeah. That sounded sick to me. Yeah. <laughs> Even and not I, sick in a good way. No, no, not like sick, bro. <laughs> oh, you're 63. You're going to hike the AT? All right, sure, dude. That's real. That's a real plan. It, sound, it just seems so warped. And I'd get shit from like, well, not get shit, but like, well, you can't judge how somebody wants to live their life. It was more, I was just get upset that people never even tried the thing they wanted yeah. to do. Like, give yourself. I did see the longevity in all of it. Like, give yourself a couple years. Give mm-hmm. yourself the, the difference between being twenty three and twenty five is nothing. Yeah, give yourself that time. Like, well, I, just, I think I want to like open a bakery, do whatever, something. Give yourself a couple years. Like, mm-hmm. that's such a minuscule amount of time. Right. No, but your whole twenties. Yeah, yeah. So to sit there and think at like twenty three, uh, this is what I'm going to do, and so when I'm sixty, I'll ha- I'll have the time. Right. I'm like, I, that, that's bad math to me. That mm-hmm. meant, never made sense. Two things. Uh, a friend of mine who's a year older, recently we were talking um, and she was like, you know, I was, I, I think she moved to New Mexico and I was saying, how is it? Or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And she said, sorry, this story is so vague. But anyway, <laughs> she was like, yeah, we want to retire there. Yeah. And that was shocking to me. Even though it's not that crazy to think about where you want to retire at our age, you yeah. know, even though in this country and economy, like retirement is push- being pushed off more and more. But still, like we're not super young, mm-hmm. but I don't ever think about retirement. No, because you're doing the thing you want I guess, to do yeah. anyway. Yeah. And then the other thing I think I lost. Okay, let's see. Oh, no, I know what I was going to say. You're talking about people who like have kids at 23 and things like mm-hmm. that. What I am always just amazed by are the people who marry their high school sweetheart and it works out yeah because i i'm not this i was so young like Mm. you know emotionally maturity wise even though i thought i was old um for so i've just changed so much like i was just not in any state to meet the right person for me back then yeah yeah that one yeah like well no we're still it's awesome yeah. When you when you could tell it's the two people that was right. supposed to be you guys, yeah. and it's still you guys, that feels good. And also, right. I, I want clear. I'm not shitting on anybody for wanting to have kids when they're 23 either. Some people knew um, that I that think was you their, are. every single one of them. Everybody <laughs> that's ever, been, but you know, if it's people that knew that they wanted out of life, right? Like I can't wait to be a parent, right? Like if it's a choice they're making versus they feel they supposed. I just supposed felt, to? yeah, I felt I, I knew a lot of people that were living by these. Status quo checklists. Yeah. They were like, no, this is what you do because they're not going to leave where they live mm-hmm. and everybody does that thing right. where they live because if you don't do that thing, you look like the old spinster or something. Yeah. It's like, why? And it, I, it's weird. I don't look at reflections of myself. I'm still wearing free t-shirts and mm-hmm. I ride bikes and skateboards and all that stuff. And then I 
catch this in the mirror. And I'm like, you're supposed to like work at the mall at Christmas as Santa. You're supposed <laughs> to do this stuff. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, whatever, man. Okay, the outside's getting weathered. But I'd still, I still, I don't know. I'm still having a real good time. That's good. I'm still having a real good time doing silly shit and seeing water parks and be like, that looks like fun. <laughs> and having no kids or anything. I'm just like, oh, I think of water slides are cool and mm-hmm. just river tube it. Like, I just, yeah, I just got to do this and then stand up. Like, retirement, I retired the day I started doing stand up full time. Yeah. Because I love it so much that it's not, it's, you know, like I had a neighbor that retired and it seemed like all he did was like cut two by fours in the garage for a project that was never conceived <laughs> because he needed I should have hit him up about my treehouse. He would have had, he would have been like, thank God, something, you know, I'm just cutting, he's just cutting lumber all day. Like, because you work all your life for somebody and you don't like it or you like it, or you don't like, but you got to work. But then when you retire, you don't know how to change gears. Yeah. So you have to have this activity that you're going to do every day to fill that space. Right. So when do you truly retire? Whereas I'm like, oh, I don't have, I'm doing the thing I'm going to do if I did retire. Like, well, I better fill yeah. up my time with karaoke or doing this. I've been doing that for 13 years already, making up jokes, telling stories. So I feel like I re- I've been retired for 13 years. I still got to pay bills, but I'm paying bills doing the thing I'm going to do for free anyway. So, What do you love about stand-up? All of it. I mean, the fact that it's still frustrating because I still care about it and the fact that you could be so confident in an idea that it's going to be good and just have a room of people going, oh, how could you say that? You're like, I was that far off. <laughs> wow. I am still learning as a person. This mm-hmm. is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, like when the shows go well, that feels great, but the uh, that's not the goal. The goal is to replicate that with something new all the time. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, well, here's, here's a new idea. Here's a new thought. Here's me. If like, Oh, if you think you know me as a person through stand up, well, here's me going against my own type with an idea. Mm. And that never goes away. It's I mean, I've said it before. It's like, it's like a puzzle with no corner pieces, you know, it just keeps going outwards. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's still fun. Tell me about your two podcasts. My two podcasts. I have the boogie monster with Dave stone. That's been going on for a long time. And we're just, buddies that started drinking in a bar one night and talking about werewolves and Bigfoot and mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, we both like all this stuff. And it was silly when we started it. And then the world got less silly yeah. and the world of conspiracy theories got scary and not fun anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of hard to be like, well, let's go into the world of conspiracies. And it let's just talk about Q. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it turned into all that stuff. So we kind of just, it wound up as just two people checking in with each other once a week. Mm-hmm. And so that t- took out a much more conversational stance between the two of us. And then my other one is uh, called No Accounting for Taste with Shane Torres. I don't know if you old sugar Shane Torres. And, uh, I think we were both kind of confessing some guilty pleasures and we're like, oh, that should be the podcast. Is everybody shits on things all the time. Yeah. There's this, this era in stand-up of everybody. Every stand-up comedian knows all the answers right now, which what an uninteresting angle. I'm like, yeah. I don't go to stand-up because I want to go to stand-up and see somebody going, I don't have anything figured out. <laughs> Here's how I tried to figure things out this week and it didn't work. That's far more appealing than 
somebody who's 24 going, let me tell you how the world works. Mm -hmm. You don't know. Yes. You're 24 and things are going fine for you. You have no idea how the world works for anybody outside of you. Mm -hmm. So we decide, like, what if we take all the topics that people want to shit all over and we try and stick up for them? And it's been, some of it's been surprisingly easy. Fast and Furious franchise. I love it. It's great. The new one's out this week and I'm very excited. (laughs) Some of them have been difficult. The Kardashians, we had a very difficult time. Defending them? Finding any positive. Mm. I guess Kim got that lady out of prison or something. Yeah, she did something good. But that, we, with even with research, we're like, I don't know. I'm not finding much on yeah. this. I'm not finding much on this. Kid Rock was a difficult one, too. Kid Rock turns out he's very charitable. He Isn't he also very conservative, though? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, his, his public persona is trash. Yeah. But then you dig and you're like, oh, he's also fighting to keep right. ticket prices lower. And oh, like, okay. I'm like, so that's where we're like, we do find yeah. those kind of things. Yeah. We didn't find anything like that on the Kardashians. I remember, you know, <laughs> I, didn't find anything, I, I remember trying to play devil's advocate a few times about the Kardashians. I think specifically when people are like, they don't do anything. They don't work. Mm-hmm. And that's an easy wonder if you like, no, I think they work from the moment they wake up to the time they go to bed. But their job is. But define work. Well, promote and, you know, take pictures and model and whatever it is they're doing. I don't think that's a good answer for what what their work is. But I'm saying I don't think that they have – I don't think they have any relaxing days. Do you? Yeah, but I – but that's not. What's that's the motive? What's the motivation there? Uh, some, this was pointed out to me that you don't realize these people that have like that much money, they are supporting an infrastructure of people around them. So that's almost a way to defend it. Like, yeah. oh, maybe they don't. They're building jobs. Whether the, yeah, whether know. this is true or not, I don't know. I think it was like Alec Baldwin. Like, why would you do a Capital One commercial if you need? You got a million bucks, and it's just because sometimes they like. You want me to show up for one day? You're going to give me a million dollars and I could just give that to a charity? Yeah. So sometimes it's not the greed. Like it's not greed that you see. Like it's them knowing they can funnel money. That's an absurd amount for mm-hmm. a charity to get. And I could work one day and I could just funnel it that way. Did Alec Baldwin do that? I heard that. I have okay. no – that's one thing that just made me realize that anytime you see celebrities endorsing something, it may be such an easy way for them to get a large chunk of money from – you know, a corporation to a charity. Right. So can't get too mad at that. But yeah, I, I, I mean, somebody's watching the Kardashians. Somebody cares what they do. I don't, I, I don't know why. I, I used I, to keep up with them, but I haven't in many years. But I did used to like that show. But I mean, we're talking about in like 2006 or something. Says, look, you are a reality show fan. I was. And then I kind of fell off. And now I'm back in Vanderpump world. Do you know Vanderpump Rules? It's on Bravo. I went to the restaurant. Sir? How yes. was it? I've never been there. It's a it's a real uh, my ex- gap for My me. expectations, I think we were there. It was somebody who was visiting, and they wanted to go. And I didn't know anything about it. And they're like, all right, this is a silly thing to do. And when we're waiting, and I found out Sir stands for Sexy Urban Restaurant. Sexy Unique Restaurant. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Right then, I was like, "Oh, fuck this place!" I know, and we it was the worst. I don't remember it being I just terrible. Now yeah, I don't remember it being terrible, but it was not. And it, people were there just to see the reality. And then yeah. still, the stars of the show are still like having to be like, "Oh, table for three this way." <laughs> it was. 
I, you know, I honestly, it's a world I, I don't understand why. Reality it's there. shows. But yeah, I don't know what joy it's bringing people. Is it that like you could look at the people in the reality show and be like, at least my life isn't as much of a mess as theirs is. It's like a soap opera. You know, you get you get there's a lot of conflict and you get drawn into it. And weirdly, you begin to care about the characters. I'm a 90 day fiance. Okay, not religiously, but I was in the Paul and Carini era of. Have I seen 90 Day Fiance? Is that the one where they bring someone from another country? Yeah, or they okay. go there and they have this yeah. 90 days. And it's it's exactly what you think. It's always lopsided. It's always like some barely link- legal South American girl and some, you know, chin folded into his chest <laughs> programmer. <laughs> like, but it's, it's, it's exactly what you think it is. But then – you're you're angry. You're angry at the guy. You're angry at the gal. Who's catfishing who? Right. How, then some of them. One lady got catfished. One lady is like she lives in Palm Springs and she looks like it. <laughs> you know, she's. I'm <laughs> picturing like Tan Mom. Do you remember her? Tan from Tan Mom. No, they called her Tan Mom. She was this woman who was like. Do you remember Tan Mom? I remember, but I she don't remember why. So why was she a thing? I don't know. It was like. She was like a meme a little bit before memes. Yeah. She went viral for being so tan. She was like so leathery. I don't know if she yeah. smoked, but she looked like she did. Yeah, this look she was out there like yeah, at the center of a the center of a sun dish, just catching all of it. She was <laughs> ruffled. But she got catfished by a guy in India that was using these pictures of a model. And then oh. she met him, and it wasn't. It was obviously not the guy. But she's like, "Yeah, but I just like you anyway." And they still got oh, married. That's so sweet. I don't know. I think that's sweet. <laughs> Is it? I mean, he sounds like he has some work to do. It sounds in terms like he's honesty, a hell of a smooth talker. But yeah. also, where are you at with your self esteem? Of like, oh, you just lied to me, right? Eh, let's go for it anyway. Like, I, it's you're looking I at these people point, that yeah. are at like, it's not going well for them. If not only are you marrying somebody sight unseen overseas right but you're also letting a television show film it yeah and my girlfriend actually got me a cameo from paul from paul and creaney oh how was it it was sad (laughs) it was it was he was still in like his whatever apartment in kentucky and it's like oh kyle rachel got this for you and then he talked for just too long like it was i was like like a half hour long oh my god he's walking around his apartment and then you know well you know on the show like it just fell into him talking about things against the show about him like and she's in the background holding her kid just unhappy with everything yeah because of course like what a what a depressing cameo anyway that's the show i was watching are you on cameo I was I I just said it to the highest amount possible. I, I think it's a gross thing. Yeah. Yes. And nobody ever called me for one. Oh, you never No, you I never. said it to like a thousand bucks. Oh, Whatever the most amount I yeah. could ask for. Okay. Yeah. I think I've priced myself a little too high, although it's way less than that. But um because I used to do a lot of them and then I haven't done that many lately. But I'm wondering like what is the right length for a cameo? I don't I don't know because I I think mine were like Did people ask you to do weird things? It was no. always just, hey, how's it going? Happy birthday. Mine were usually like five, six minutes. Yeah, it was usually like, you know, please, mm-hmm. it's my wife's birthday. Please, you know, we're big fans. Please let her know that she's like the best wife and she's the best mother and blah, blah, stuff like that. One person sent me one saying, please let 
this person know, you know, how much they suck and they're ruining the show. It was like a public person. They're ruining the show. And then like the next time I looked, it was like, I looked at it before I was doing it, recording a podcast. And the next time I looked, it had disappeared and they like reached out to me on social media to apologize. So. Oh, okay. So you never recorded it. I wouldn't have either. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I guess I, I'm concerned about how much of my self is out in the world. Oh, Interesting. Like, I mean, I have I get pretty loose talking, like, and you know, yeah. I get conversational. All of a sudden, like, I'm talking shit or something, or saying something that I don't. You're saying something to make people laugh. And yeah, like, oh, no, that's out there for everybody. I'm like, hey, maybe I don't don't want to do that. Maybe yeah. With like stand up, I can govern what's out there, and with mm-hmm. being on podcasts, I can govern how many I want to do. But I'm wondering, like, when's the burnout point of like, oh, we've heard enough mm. out of this person? For yeah. Now. Yeah. And so I'm being a little more conscious of that these days. Because you're worried about audience burnout on you? Uh, and also just- Or your burnout. Uh, also both and just how much I want people to know yeah. about my life. Because like I said, I read the comments and sometimes I'll read comments on these other shows and that's you know it's not nice people out there all the time. I hope that my fan base is like a decent- group of people i always like to think that like if you're coming to one of my shows like you could buy a single ticket that probably sit you at a table with somebody else that bought a single ticket and you guys should probably be friends uh that's how i i hope it all comes off and i hope it's always decent i see like there's some toxic fan bases of some other people out there like oh you see his wife she looks like she put like literally saying mean things all over i'm like i don't want to subject yeah the people that i know that now I'm, I talk about in stand up or whatever, and then they're going to look them up online and find them and be shitty. Like, I don't. Right. Want, yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. Well, I have a nice fan base and listenership. Yeah. And I'm sure I feel like you do too. I've decided. I want, yeah, I want nice people like what I'm doing. I don't want these maniacs. No. Who There's would? a few wild ones out there, but, eh, you know, there's always going to be wild ones. So speaking of not wanting people to know too much about you, I solicited questions for you. Okay. Um, I'm on Patreon. <clears throat> Patreon. Patreon.com oh. slash Allison Rosen. Uh, all sorts of fun stuff. You can get behind the scenes content. You can listen to The Friend Zone. That is my Patreon bonus podcast. There's a little where you can text me. I'll text you back. And uh, I solicit questions on Patreon. And those ones get to go first. And then sometimes I solicit them on Twitter as well, which mm-hmm. I did this time. So anyway, uh, we have a song. When we ask they send them in, they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay. John Ketterling says, what is your favorite cheesy fast food restaurant? Cheesy like the food I, or like bad fast food? I'm not sure how he means it. So you can answer it either way. Oh, man. Now that I'm back here, I can't wait to get my hands on some Del Taco. Oh, yeah. I love – I always I used to do a joke about how I'm not from California, but I think I am secured my status as a Californian because I would argue – about the technical start time of Taco Tuesday and the drive through on Monday, at Monday nights. I mean, like, it's 12.03. Like, that promotion starts at 11 a.m. I'm like, it's Tuesday now, so let's go. Yeah. I would sit there and fight with them about it. Uh, yeah, Del Taco for sure. Now that I'm uh, mostly vegetarian, we're, the places that have the fake burgers are Carl's Jr. and Burger King. Carl's Jr. does a better version of the fake burger. Is it the Burger Impossible King. Burger? Yeah. Uh, 
Carl's Jr. has the Beyond one. Mm. Burger King has the Impossible one. But uh, other other than that, for veggie stuff, Taco Bell. But oh, my sweet, sweet Del Taco. <laughs> I haven't had it yet. I'm going to probably get it tonight. Lee Brun says, are prairie audiences different than city audiences? And and see, here's a term I don't even know. When was the best chislick he ever had? <laughs> chislick. Also, prairie audiences versus city audience. I've never heard of it. He lives I've in South Dakota. So. Oh, man, we got a South Dakota. Okay. Chislick's hilarious item. Chislick is just, it's considered a an ex, uh, a delicacy in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. It's just basically steak that they cut up into cubes and throw in the fryer real quick. Okay, It's so like it's somebody like... cutting up a steak for you and giving it to you in a basket. <laughs> it was pretty good when I had it, though. But it's, fr- it's fried? Yeah, it's not like breaded deep fried, right. but they throw like steak chunks in a fryer, it. and it's a bar snack, and it's pretty good. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I still Can't like can acknowledge. Anymore, yeah. I can still acknowledge dishes as being good. I'm not like right. grossed out by it. Uh, prairie audiences. I, I feel like there's cities have enough place where like you can get the specific type of entertainment you want, whereas. We're, uh, we're calling prairie audience people like comedy show. Well, shit. I like laughing, so you'll get everybody right. to come out to it. And it also is a good lesson to learn of like, oh, maybe if I'm going to be politically opinionated about it this way, I should also throw something in there for the people that don't care about that political opinion. Like make the show for everybody. Not, not, not pander, but understand that everybody's coming out to this show so as much as i'm going to make fun of that side mm-hmm. i'll take a shot at myself to l- like let you know that we're all still hanging out here right whereas a city audience you can get away with like well here's my not funny political comedy and get it a bunch of people to clap along because they agree yeah and that's yeah. a that's a horrible show regardless of which side of the political spectrum you're using yeah that's just a bad show yeah in my opinion Lee also, he has a comment, but I'm going to read it because it's it's nice. Kyle is mostly a local guy from out this way. He has worked crazy hard for his success and deserves it. And he's helped a lot of other comics along the way. Just a super talented guy with a trail of admirers in his climb to the top. Hey, thanks, man. That's the South Dakota guy? Yeah, and he's a comic. Oh, we probably... I wonder if he was on the shows because my buddy Sean Jordan's from out that way. I know Sean. You know Sean? Yeah, Sean's been on this show. It's Sean's up in Portland now, right? Yeah. Um, when he lived here, when I was in my old, the other, I told you I used to live in Hollywood. He came on the show a hand, small handful of times. We have a group show. Okay. Uh, so I do this one that comes out Mondays, and then I have a group version of my show that comes out Thursdays. No kidding. And yeah, I met him from Doug Loves Movies. Yes. Um, yeah, and then he came on, and then I tried to, he was always like, there was a number of times I tried to book him, and he was too busy but he always was like i but i do want to come back for real he is the best yeah he's the best he's yeah he's sioux falls fella that's how i was making fun of for eating chislick when i went to the bar. Oh. Like, oh they're just feeding you steak like baby food he's like watch it they're gonna kick your ass here <laughs> yeah. i'm like none of you guys are kicking my ass like not like a tough guy they were just yeah. too sweet how's he doing he's got a kid he's right? great he's got a kid uh he's doing all fancy everything he's doing stand-up sometimes he comes on the road with me He's doing great. Yeah. Skateboarding every day. I feel like all fantasy, Alone. everything blew up. Yeah. Like, for, I mean, for a while now it has. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. As yeah. it should. It's a very fun show. Yeah. I just um, want to plug all my friend stuff up. <laughs> and then Whitney C says, what's a holiday he celebrated recently? And you can define holiday and recent as mm. desired. That was especially memorable. 
Wow, that's a good question. She has really good questions always. What's a hot ep- I think what made it memorable this New Year's Eve. Well, Thanksgiving was memorable for a bad. I got COVID finally for the first time. Oh, and all, but all my family came to Portland to like spend Thanksgiving there, and I just stayed in a hotel. And so they just all traveled from across the country <laughs> to do their own thing. Yeah, so that was memorable for the wrong way. But New Year's Eve, it was last minute. I'm usually not a New Year's Eve guy because I'm like everybody's doing all this, but then. The missus, she's like, I want to go dancing. It's New Year's Eve. I'm like, all right, I will rally. And so we went out at like 10 o'clock. There was was some like international – like the kind of thing where like me 20 years ago would have made fun of right away, but that's because I was a jerk. (laughs) But it's like like international cumbia Indian DJ. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) But instead I'm like, you like dancing. I've had this revelation about dancing later in life that oh, dancing's fun and it's okay to look silly doing it. I, I am due for this revelation because I've been an yeah. ardent non-dancer for a while. And then you look at your wedding or somewhere, everybody's dancing and yeah. who looks the dumbest? The ones sitting by themselves at a table. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to have, I'm going to, I'm going to, she likes dancing so much. It's a real like, I'm a loser if I don't step up my game. It's real like, you know, my, what is it? Sean Penn's brother in Footloose. Like, he's got to learn. <laughs> so I got into So we were like, all right, let's go. She knew some people going to this. Like, she made friends with some, like some people in their 20s. Like, yeah, it's like this cumbia Latin Indian DJ. I'm like, you know what? Let's just see what it's about. And oh my right God. when we walked Love in, that. it was like 1030 or quarter 11. This, the light, they had all these dancers on stage with like an Indian DJ. And these lights were everywhere. And everybody was, I was probably Molly, but whatever. <laughs> everybody was just going off in fun outfits. And I was like, oh, yeah, we, I wasn't even going to. I had to rally to get out here. Yeah. And we just went. We danced for like an hour. Balloon drop. Had one more drink. Got a car before it got too crazy. I'm like, that was perfect. We had a fun, super fun dancing and like music I wouldn't like listen to normally. And so for a New Year's Eve, it was like, it was great. That sounds yeah. really fun. It was, yeah. Good question. I'm, Good job, Whitney that. C. Yeah. All right. Now, Jason Heck wants to know, will we ever get video for the Boogie Monster podcast? <sighs> I don't know about that. I'm actually going to Dave's after this to record an episode. Ah. We tried. You got the good setup here. I don't know why we never cracked into the video market. What's this? What's th- this isn't selling anything. <laughs> Oh, that face? Yeah, this isn't moving unit. There's a reason I was a voice actor. <laughs> this isn't. I don't, I don't know what somebody wants to do. You want 4K? This? Nobody needs this. <laughs> People, they do. They need the 4K of that. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. Maybe maybe then. Maybe. We'll see what happens there, bro. Uh, okay. I Will Fight Elon says, when and where was your last Doug James gig slash next Doug James gig? Please explain. Oh, I read that one. Doug James... I wonder if he's still around. He's a, he booked stand-up shows here in Southern California. He's like kind of the first guy you get a little bit of road work where you get mm. one of those like, all right, you're going to come down to Costa Mesa or San Clemente. You get $50. You're going to get a free meal at the bar. You're like, all right, I guess I'll drive down for 50 bucks. And he looked – I hope he's still around. I always liked him. He looked exactly like Captain Kangaroo. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, he would open his shows. like He was very strict – He's like, when I give you the light, I will give you the light. I will p- 
point at you. I need you to point back at me and nod to acknowledge. Like you would have to do that in the middle of your set. Like, because <laughs> otherwise he's like, you. if you don't nod, I don't know that you saw the light. And he just had, you could tell like he made his living off of having a few of these, a few of these shows he was running. And I think he was just, must've been like the standup from back in the day. Right. And it was fun. Cause it's like, I don't know. Everything's more magical when you first move to LA and the characters are always more extreme yeah. and everything. And he's one of those guys. Like, okay. I'm going to book you for this gig. It's in Huntington beach. I'm like, I know I've done it four times already, Doug. Yeah. But I'm going to give you directions. <laughs> Doug, I got the internet. You just plug it. You, there's, you, you got maps. It's going to tell you, Nope. Just listen to me. I'm going to give you directions. And he would give you like in, like in 500 feet, you'll make a left turn onto ocean Boulevard. Uh-huh. After that left turn, you'll see a dairy queen on the right of the dairy queen is the park. Like, Oh my God. I'll, I'll park where I'm going to park. <laughs> <laughs> but there was this thing. <laughs> the two weird stuff. One was, I think he got beat up or something oh, and no. then showed up to a gig, but just a bunch of <laughs> makeup on. Like, ah, everything's fine. And like, Doug, what's going on? He's like, nothing, nothing. Like, I don't know what, maybe he had gambling debts. And another one, I was riding my bike out of Hollywood back to my apartment. And um, I think I was living in Silver Lake at the time. And just after the bars closed, riding down Sunset, and I saw him walking up the exit ramp from the 101 to Sunset, like with like a leftovers bit. I'm like, where were you? Where are you coming from? And it was just, I was drunk. He was drunk. He's like, ah, what's up? Okay, Doug, all right. But then somebody else told me they had given him a ride home from a show, and he wouldn't let them drop him off at his apartment. He made him drop him off on the 101. He would make people drop him off. Because I don't think he wanted people knowing where he lived. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he owed people. He's clearly getting beat up. That's right. What, so that's why I hope he's all right. I always was cool with him. <laughs> I hope he is too. Anyway, he's one of those like folklore type of dudes from when you first moved to LA and you're doing gigs. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I used to live in Costa Mesa. I'm yeah. wondering, do you remember what clubs you played? Down it was no the two I would do for him. One was Huntington Beach, and one was San Clemente. I was trying to think of San uh, Clemente. Was it said, Coach said, House? It may have been. That was a music venue, but do you know Coach House? I don't. I don't music think Music so. venue, but I don't they probably had stand up. It was too. Wednesdays was San Clemente and and um Thursdays was uh I think it was called Dublin's in Huntington mm. Beach. Yes, I've heard of it. And it was always weird because the shows could be really good, but it's also Huntington Beach, so it still could just be Nazis. Like yeah. I don't know who's <laughs> here and why they're laughing. I think they're laughing at the wrong reasons right. for some of these jokes. Right. <laughs> Um, Jim Harms says, have you ever started a gig, got midway through and realized it was a huge mistake? And have you started what you thought would be a crap gig only to have it be one of your best? More the latter than the former. How, how do you phrase the first part of that? Has I, have, I started uh, one? have you ever started a gig, got midway through and realized it was a huge mistake? Maybe one of the Huntington Beach Nazi shows. I surprisingly do all right in Huntington Beach, which I don't know what that says about me. Um, <laughs> well, all of Huntington Beach isn't isn't like that. No, just a lot of it, but a good just the loudest, the loudest yeah, part yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had bad gigs. I've had gigs where I've gotten in my own way. Mm. Uh, most memorable is I opened for the Impractical Jokers in a twelve thousand seat. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> outdoor stadium. Arena or whatever a shed they call shed. It a shed in yeah. the music is, <laughs> and I remember being like I'm I, like I remember basically crafting my own bomb 
Because I'll get judgy and I'll look at an audience. I'm like, well, I don't want them to like me. But then you secretly, you do want them to like you. It seems like like, a weird pairing. It's not, (laughs) but it's any gig that scares me, if it seems like it's a, I have to say yes to it. Yeah. So like, if I think it's going to be bad, Mm -hmm. I have to say yes to it. And then if it is bad, I'm like, well, okay. Yeah. We do that. But then I, it's like the latter part of the question where, no kidding, that went great. Like, so that one with the impregnable jokers, I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to try it. We'll see. And I just, as soon as I get up there, I started like, I'm going to, no, I'm going to have a good attitude. And uh, it was at the same place I saw Lollapalooza in 1994 outside of Chicago. So I'm on the same stage that I saw the Beastie Boys That's on. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I thought so too. And I thought I could share that with the audience. <laughs> and I'm like, I actually got bumped up to those seats right there for Smashing Pumpkins. I actually fell asleep during Smashing Pumpkins and a woman walking across the front row of 12,000 people holding two beers just goes, fuck you, that was a great show. <laughs> and that's all I heard. And now the audience turned into 12,000 of her. Oh, God. And I was like, here's my jokes. I don't care about you. Kiss my ass. I'm yeah. out of here. <laughs> I, that was on me. That was 100% my fault the way I handled that one. But then I did a show for, you know, Kurt Braunohler? Yeah. He, I, I, we've had him on. Oh, Kurt's, uh, Kurt's a pal of mine. Great comic. He always has these silly ideas. And he had one where he was going to jet ski down the Mississippi uh-huh. and do like these things along the way. So I met him in it was the border between Alabama and Tennessee. And we jet skied a little bit. And then we were going to do – and we dressed up like a jet ski gang. We had like these leather vests. <laughs> that is hilarious. But then we did a comedy show at a biker bar uh-huh. where we were still wearing the vests. And the, it was like in the middle of the day on a Tuesday and the owner of the bar is like, well, I can get some people in here because you need an audience for the show. Who do you think's available in the middle of the day on a Tuesday <laughs> for a biker bar? Mm-hmm. Well, it's bikers. Yeah. So an actual bike gang rolled up to watch us do comedy and it was it was a legit bike gang not like like you know alcoholics anonymous for christ or whatever like it wasn't like one of these like you see them and then you read the patches and they're like oh we're just a bunch of sweeties or whatever like these were legit bikers yeah i don't know like affiliated but the one guy came and he just had a spider web tattooed on his face and he did the whole shake like what are the like the producer's hands and like squoze it, squeezed, squoze it to the point. It was like, be awful nice if uh, buckets of beer showed up for me and the boys to like, and then crushing the guy's hand. Oh, geez. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, good idea. Let's get you guys <laughs> some drinks. And we were legit like this. Scary. We're not, we're in the middle of nowhere and it's, here's a little film crew. Mm-hmm. And then 25 bikers. It could have gone really sour. And it yeah. was one of those like, I just went prison rules. I'm like, well, I'm going to pick on the main guy because then if other people laugh, if he laughs, then the other people laugh. Right. And so I just started, his name was Big Bear, the one with the spider web tattoo. <laughs> and I just started making fun of him. And then I got everybody else on board. And then it wound up being a great time, and mostly because I thought I was going to die. Yeah. And, and then like, oh, I made these bikers laugh. That was pretty cool. Like that, That's still <laughs> an accomplishment I hold pretty high. Now, how do you know? I'm just thinking if I were in this situation – First of all, I don't even know prison rules, so I would have been mm. fucked. How do you know who the main guy is? Did you know because he's the one who threat who demanded beers? Yeah, okay. he was definitely the – you just get a vibe. Okay. You know, you could see who's in charge of any 
group of people hanging around or what or somebody that like the rest of the group maybe goes to for like, oh to, we're, yeah. we're gonna follow this person's lead right so they were all following big bear's lead so <laughs> I'm like all right let me go if big bear's <laughs> laughing these guys will all laugh i'll get them um amber wants to know did you have any comedian mentors early on in your career who and what advice did they give you oh man absolutely there's a guy named Dwayne kennedy out of chicago he still shows up here and there uh he's kind of like a ghost you never know if he's even living in LA, it was just like we didn't know where he was. Mm. And all of a sudden, like, oh, Dwayne's going to be on Kimmel tonight. He would just magically all right. of a sudden have a TV spot and then disappear into whatever city he was living in. But he was the guy that everybody looked to in comedy starting in, when, I, when I started in Chicago. Because he had already bought – he was on like an episode of Seinfeld. He was on the late mm. night shows. Who did he play on Seinfeld? Do you know? He was – do you remember – when they were stuck at some party out in like Long Island or something and Elaine stuck talking to a guy that's just talking about peanuts the whole time. <laughs> he's that guy. Okay. Yeah. And so you wouldn't recognize him now. Now he's got like huge head of dreads and he's just this really laid back guy that walked in, like would be quiet for the first two minutes of a set kind of getting settled. Whereas you see so many comics come in and like panicky <clears throat> try to right. get you watch the guy just take his time and it made people want to listen more mm-hmm. like you kind of leaned in and after my first night of doing comedy he was like oh that's you should come back here that's funny so if, if it wasn't for him i might have quit i might have just done an open mic once and then be like i'm done so him and a fellow named monty out of chicago both like guys i respected at that after i because i went and watched comedy for a couple months before trying it mm-hmm I was like, I wanted to watch all these open mics. And it wasn't the people that were doing good. That's might never happen, but it's the people that would do bad and then still come back the next week. That was the most inspirational. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you weren't bothered by the fact that this room of people didn't laugh at you at all? And you came back next week and then nobody laughed again. And then you'd see them on the fifth week. Get some laughs and like that's it. Like five weeks you waited for yeah. this little bit of laugh. I'm like that's inspirational. The guys that are doing good and making a living, who knows? I don't know if I'll ever get to that level. But to get to the point where you could just believe in yourself, suck. Yeah, <laughs> believe in yourself. <laughs> and even then, they'd go back to nobody laughing and not believing. Right. Yourself. But so, yeah, maybe have faith. Yeah, have pers- streamlined persistence. Yes. like I was saying. <laughs> uh, and then. I opened like Patton Oswalt was a guy that was in my corner early on. And I kind of watched, you know, how he navigated doing stand up on the way on his own terms. He also had some TV money cushion. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. and, and Daniel Tosh, I opened for him for a month on the road. And he had a pretty good point about just pointing out how like managers and agents like, oh, yeah, it's supposed to be 10. It's like, no, these are. It's not the law. These numbers aren't real. Yeah. Like, I pay this person 6%. Oh, wow. Because that's what I told them. Oh, wow. Like, these aren't real numbers. You can yeah. negotiate all these numbers. None of this business is real. That this- never even occurred to me that you could do that. Yeah. He's like, he's the one who's like, this whole business is fictional. And he's also the one I thought about. He's like, there's enough of me out there. I'm like, do you want to do more stuff? He's like, no, I do stand up, which is what I like. And I got this silly show where I make fun of internet. Like, that's enough. Nobody yeah. needs more of me. Mm. He's like, I get enough from what I'm doing. Money-wise, you know, attention-wise, and then he lives his life privately. And so I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. And then, honestly, 
Mark Barron had said something that stuck with me years ago because when he was kind of blown up with this podcast and everything, I'm like, oh, you're still doing comedy clubs. I thought you'd be doing like theaters and you got your own audience. He's like, I still need new people to find out who I am. Mm. And so even in his ascent, he was like, I still need to win over an audience to you know, grow uh, grow a fan base. I'm like, oh, yeah, you can really get stuck to playing to your own crowd. And so if he were had been doing like theaters or sheds, that's playing to his own crowd. Yeah, I don't think he's getting shed shed numbers. <laughs> but like a theater where it's like X amount of dollars and you're going to come to this, where, whereas a comedy right. club- people aren't going to take a chance on someone if it's a theater. Yeah, a comedy club is like, well, we can get food. Oh, maybe a, like, a, oh, I got four tickets for us to go. Right. Uh, or maybe the club will give some away. There's more encouragement to take a chance on somebody mm-hmm. in a in a comedy yeah, club that makes than it sense. is like a theater show. And that stuck with me a lot. Where it's like, oh, I'm trying to cultivate this fan base of like minded people. It's like, no, you want people that maybe disagree mm-hmm. with you, but still think that you're funny, right? So that's all good advice. There's advice all over the place. I know. Yeah. Explain uh, the streamlined part of the streamlined persistence. Oh, just that I don't have. I'm not tethered to many things. Oh, like you were saying before, without the obligation. Yeah, I, I was always making this joke. Uh, like, nobody does a crowd work tour. They just do, I got divorced and I need money fast. <laughs> like, I, and I don't have a new hour to come back through Denver with. Uh, yeah, I don't have, I was like looking at houses finally. F- finally. Only because I live in Oregon and could remotely afford yeah. something I'd want to live in. But yeah, no kids, no bills, no debt. So I can do comedy exactly mm-hmm. how I want to, how much I want to, how little I want to, and it's not being steered by obligations. Right. Like, well, I better be more accessible because I just spent too much money on a house or mm-hmm. I just, I, you know, I got a kid on the way, so now I have to do this. I never have to do comedy. Right. I'm only doing it on the terms that I want to. That's a really enviable position. It's I th- I think it is, but then I'm not looking back on, I wish I would have done all this other stuff. Mm. So it's good for me, yeah. but it might be terrible for somebody's like, oh, I, all I did was worry about comedy. Now I'm too old to have a kid. I'm too old to do this. Right. I still am not concerned with that at all. Okay? Right. In 10 years, who knows? But that's the gamble I took going this way. Mm. It's a gamble people take waiting until they're retired to be like, you know what? I think I want to try stand-up now that I've been mm. you know, a union plumber for 40 years now is the time for jokes <laughs> which it's cool if you find it then that's cool too yeah uh we have a segment called just me or everyone mm-hmm. do you happen to have a just me or everyone i do oh great we have a song okay sometimes i ponder on something i have thought or done is it just me or everyone all right, let's songs hear it. songs are fun. Thank you very much. They're very like mm-hmm. 70s. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I was realizing that I take all the napkins. Like I never throw, like if a meal, fast food comes uh-huh. with a napkin, I'm like, why are people buying paper towels? Oh, my God. It's <laughs> I have so many napkins everywhere. I have more napkins stashed. Like how I heard that squirrels only find like, 30% of the nuts that they hide. I don't, my dad said that. I don't know if it's true. <laughs> oh, interesting. And I think that's how I am with all these napkins. Uh-huh. that I've, Every coat I take, every time I try to wash something that I, I got There's checked. napkins in it? Every winter coat, napkins mm-hmm. everywhere. Every the car, everything is stashed. Do you Are you ever looking for a napkin, though? 
or it's always that one moment where like I got a runny nose and I don't have it on right. me, and I'm like, this is why you take the napkins. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And now they're everywhere, and I, I, I don't. My missus puts up with it. But it just stacks. I like mm-hmm. stacks of just different. I'm not forcefully taking them from the rest, but you're going to give me them, yeah. a bunch of napkins right. and hot sauces. I hang on to them. I travel with them in my bag. It feels irresponsible to throw them out sometimes. But the, so I will sometimes have like a stack of napkins, but then I never ever reach for them. But maybe it's because I also have paper towels and I reach for those. It's, I'm like, yeah, I think I just, I like, I need like these little. Ruses. Bo- I need these little booger papers around. <laughs> you know, do you I'm buy always, tissue? No. Do buy, you buy napkins. toilet paper, I, right? Yeah, toilet paper. Okay. You can't flush a napkin. You can't? You're not supposed to. Okay. Um, <laughs> I heard that Starbucks napkins are like the best. Well, let me let me give you the context. Okay. I think <laughs> I don't know where I saw this. It was online, but it was that uh, – if you need like an oil blotting paper, if you're doing makeup, Starbucks oh, napkins okay, work really okay. well for that. So, I uh, you ever go to like a nice hotel where they're almost like they're almost like towels, the paper towels in yeah, the bathroom. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like oh, those yeah. like monogrammed. Yes. Like, well, I didn't. I steal them, but like I used one, but kept it flat. I'm like, this is still. Yeah, it feels wrong. I folded to throw it out. up. I folded it up. Put it in my pocket. Yeah. It's in a coat somewhere. Yeah. But that's I. Yeah, I always kept them from like. Take out or anything. I'm just like, yeah, you got, you're going to use for spills. You're going to use for this or that. Right. So I realize that's, I don't know if other people, my sister does it. My I sister, do it I too. both, when we're both hanging out, we'll just like look in her pocket, like, how much you got? Like, <laughs> all these. <laughs> I always, in my purse, there's always like a few crumpled up, lightly used Kleenexes. Mm-hmm. And I always think I should, when I go to clean out my purse, which is not often enough, I was like, mm-hmm. I should throw these out because this is disgusting. But, so often I need a tissue not either, just for like for napkin purposes. Um, and I'll look in my purse and I'm like, oh, thank God I have this like yeah. very linty, gross old Kleenex. I needed this right now. Yeah. that's I, They're all in my car because yeah. I want to pick my nose and it's gross. Mm. You have napkins. <laughs> Knock it off, Kyle. Stop. Maybe that's why people are cutting you off in traffic. Maybe the road rage is personal. This guy's a nose picker. We should cut him off. I think everyone picks their nose in their car. And then you realize people can see. That hasn't stopped me. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know who are just shameless nose pickers? My children, but also children uh, in general. I, Actually, thought, I thought we were going to just oh, list name. a race or something <laughs> right there. I was like, whoa, <laughs> this, this show took a turn. <laughs> um. Not Owen, actually. He is not. He's not. Now I'm just outing my children. And someday they'll be yeah. like trying to be popular in school and someone will throw this in their face. I mean, so I have you seen what it. comedians talk about? Yeah. I think just calling a four-year-old a nose picker is at par for the course. Yeah, it's benign. <laughs> um, do you have a, hey, go fuck yourself? Would I do. Just- it goes a lot. Well, it's kind of in the similar vein. I, I, I have a real problem with people that don't take their leftovers. Okay. And and especially in a city Mm. where it's like, you know, you could just give that to somebody. Yes. Throwing out food to the point where it's like now become hazardous to my health because I'll see stuff that needs to get thrown out in my own fridge. I'm like, "Ah, I'm going to roll the dice. Have you gotten sick? Not like a real way. (laughs) (laughs) That is not really a no. No, I'll take my- So you've gotten like lightly sick. Yeah, I'm taking myself out for the afternoon. Just like, okay, that one- 
That one we should have listened to the day. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, I'm pretty good for it. I'm I, yeah, I don't expiration dates aren't real. Right, just like agent fees. Yeah. Yeah, all these numbers are movable. Right. These are all negotiable numbers. Yeah. Made, made up, up by the made up by the corporations, made right. up by capitalism. Right. No. I uh I just when somebody just doesn't like their food, like, well, and then I feel like a weirdo because I'm like, well, get it to go. I'll take it. I'll give it to somebody on the street. But then people are like, well, that's why you can't just leave food on the ground because these homeless encampments have rats because there's food left on the ground. I was like, I don't right, well, I'm just trying to do a good thing. It's yeah. like, well, that's why I say you got to leave it on top of the trash can or leave it on an elevated surface mm. that maybe somebody will walk by and take it and you should hand it to them directly. And I've heard all these comments like, yeah, you know, there's always like hack comics about like, oh, I want to give somebody uh, food, a homeless person. Like, does it have dairy in it or something? Like, how are you going to be picky? It's like, well, because if you are lactose intolerant and have the shits and are homeless, yeah. that's a far worse problem than if you just had it at home. That's why they have to ask those questions. Mm. And I understand that. And I'm not saying I got all the answers, but you got like food going in the trash makes no sense to me. Yeah. That's like one of the most despicable things and I get it happens. You got a handful of fries left. You're not going to pack them up to go or something. But oh, I didn't like my food. Pack it up. Somebody will like it. Yeah. Take a leftover. Take, you know, it's, uh, that makes me nuts. So hey, people who don't take home their leftovers. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. We've had some leftover lasagna. I think we finally threw it out. What do you think is like the expiration date on? lasagna that you get from a restaurant because that sat in our refrigerator for like three weeks probably and i feel like it was still edible in the second week i wow i think that's so. i'm not sure not the freezer you put it in the fridge straight straight in the <laughs> fridge <laughs> yeah that's it's that's rolling the dice meat lasagna veggie lasagna veggie lasagna yeah you got some dairy in there with the cheese i know yeah, I don't, but cheese is aged often. But I don't think you want aged cheese in your lasagna. I don't. That you know what? That's it's it's a case by case basis mm -hmm. for certain. And I, I don't was know. just shocked every time I looked at it, and I'm like, how is this still seemingly good? <laughs> but you never tried it. You just kept looking at it. <laughs> Maybe it was. Oh, I see your point. Maybe it wasn't good. Um, but I smelled it and stuff, and it still smelled good. I'm trying to think when I stopped. Tasting it within the first week, I think. Oh, is you just taking bites off of it? I'd like spoon a little out into a dish and then heat it up. Just to test it? Or that's as much as you allowed <laughs> yourself? Wanted, that's, <laughs> that one. <laughs> I don't want a whole lasagna. I just want a bite. Yeah. Well, it was huge. Um, yeah, I just wanted like a little, just a little sample. Yeah. I Like that's my trick on the road is I'll just like, get a like a extra large pizza on the Thursday night and just eat off of it like the Revenant, just eat it through <laughs> the whole weekend. And then, yeah, by Saturday night, it's looking pretty gnarly. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't fit in the fridge or anything. I just let it sit out. Yeah. I don't. And again, I guess that's gross to some people. <laughs> but also, I don't really get sick from anything food-wise. I, I, mean, I stopped eating meat because I got gout and everything. I was mm. like, and I had like some issues with it. I'm not vegan, so, you know, I don't think like, you know, being good shouldn't be the enemy of being the best or being perfect or whatever right. the phrase is. Like, yeah, I'm not going to go vegan. I'm still eating cheese and all this, and I know mm -hmm. about dairy farming. But once I stopped eating meat, I was like, all right, well, 
but it opens like, up the opportunities for leftovers for, for a lot for a lot out. of different kind of food poisoning. <laughs> it's true. It's gonna you know this, these are the risks we choose to take. You know, some people skydive. Yeah. Some people do heroin. I eat food that is <laughs> questionable. Well, I like it. You're really you're it's carpe diem. Yeah, making the most of it, Kyle Kinane. It was so nice having you on the show. We didn't even talk about your special shocks and struts. Yeah, that's struts and shocks, shocks and struts, right? Struts, yeah. Tell people where they can get it. YouTube. Okay. (laughs) I'm so good at promoting. (laughs) Yeah, look up Kyle Kinane on the internet, and then you'll find all the stuff. Yeah. Boogie Monster, no accounting for taste. All the comedy specials I've done. They're attached to my name somewhere in the machine. It's kylekanane.com. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's where that's one of And then you're on social media as well. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been so nice. Tony, where might we find you? Uh on the things at Tony Thaxton and Bizarre Albums every Tuesday. And uh while you're on YouTube watching kyle's show please also watch this show which is both available audio and video youtube.com slash allison rosen make sure you're subscribed like it leave a comment you know interact with the content people that's the name of the game i guess and also if you're on uh apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the podcast please leave a review and click five stars and tell your friends and follow me on social media at allison rosen on twitter and instagram oh i'm also on tiktok sort of the allison rosen over there And then my new podcast is called Allison and Todd After Hours, and that is available on Patreon. It's only $2 a month. Just one level. Patreon.com slash Allison and Todd. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Rosie is your new best friend.